This podcast is produced and copyrighted by 83 Bar Incorporated. It is designed as a general informational resource, and neither the sponsors nor guests are rendering any professional or medical advice. The opinions and claims presented by the guests are their own. Any trademarks used are the property of their respective owners. Welcome to The Patient Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey. Featuring interviews with healthcare leaders, patient advocates, medical providers, and researchers. Here's your host, best-selling author, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends and colleagues, to our podcast, The Patients Speak, where we're combining the science and business innovation of healthcare with the patient voice to make sure we're accelerating the patient's journey from diagnosis to wellness. And today we have a great guest to talk about where those two things overlap and the personal experiences sometimes and the motivation of the innovators and the startups to really keep the patient and their their diagnosis, their wellness, their journey top of mind. My guest is Serbi Sarna. Serbi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for doing this podcast in general. I think keeping the patient front and center is so incredibly important for innovators in the space. Well, it's a day-to-day challenge. Well, Serbi knows about this personally. She started up her own company, started as an engineer in the field, which will dial way back into your background. But her personal experience led her to found and become the CEO of a company that then sold to a major medical device company. And now you're a group partner with the Y Combinator, consulting and mentoring other startups in the business of healthcare. And so I think I'd like to start there, Serbi, if I could. How do you keep the innovators, these startup companies, focused on the patient through all the regulatory trials and tribulations and other obstacles, finance issues? How do you keep them focused on the patient need? For me, it's ingrained in everything in my entire approach. And hopefully what comes through to them is that it should be ingrained in theirs and so it's it's actually what makes you want to go through the FDA approval and want to go through the period of discovery and failing again and again on the bench or in the clinic or want to push through the next strife within the team is you go back and you remember that there are patients waiting. And that's something we used to say at our company. Whenever we thought, ah, oh, we're in the office at 10 p.m., And do we really need to get this FDA filing in tomorrow? Can we just push it a day or two? The thing that we all told ourselves, and I have emails documenting this, is patients are waiting. Patients are waiting. So strong. And you spoke to a gathering of the startups and founders uh, with the Y Combinator at a symposium or summit just in December at the year's end, and really told them that with all the things that they have to do, the reason we're here is the patient's. Yeah, absolutely. That's at the end of the day, that's the motivating factor. And I think that there is a natural gravitation or selection to this field by people who want to make a difference in their day to day. In terms of the work they do every day, they want to know it's greater than the paycheck they're about to get or the work in itself on that single day that you're working towards making a real impact. And the people that you are impacting the most. Sometimes it's patients. Sometimes it's people before they become patients. It's the preventative medicine. And 
which I don't always think gets enough attention, but it's either patients or potential patients. It's people who have families. It really comes down to that. And to you, this is not just a philosophy. It's not something you just read in a business book. This is your own personal experience. And you just published a book about this called Without a Doubt, How to Go from Underrated to Unbeatable, just out from Simon & Schuster. A terrific book that's really a personal story, but it does allude to this patient voice because it was driven from your own patient experience. Maybe you could back up and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's. I would say that entrepreneurship and health innovation found me. I remember the day very clearly. I was only in high school. I was about 13. I was writing a paper in my bedroom, just any other high school afternoon, when all of a sudden I felt a pain so sharp in my side that I could barely make it to the kitchen where my mom was at the side time and say my side hurts before blacking out. And the next thing I remember is waking up in the hospital, right? And of course there was no way for me to know it then, but it was gonna be the first of many trips. That night I almost had emergency surgery done for appendicitis. Luckily the surgeon noticed last minute that wasn't what was ailing me. And within a week or so, we knew that I was suffering from complex ovarian cysts, but what they didn't know for months and months is whether or not that cyst was cancerous. Because that cyst was half fluid, half solid, if you're in a situation where the mass is completely solid, definitely begs further investigation. If it's completely fluid, it could be a benign cyst that occurs on a monthly basis. Because mine was in the middle, it caused a lot of confusion. And the choices we were faced with were to either do this invasive exploratory surgery, where if there was cancer, would risk spreading the cancer, or to wait and see what happened. And we chose the path to wait, and the cyst dissolved on its own. But going through that patient journey and doing all of this reading and support with these brilliant teachers I had at the time... It just made me realize that women's health isn't where it should be from the lack of therapeutic options that we had from the unnecessarily long diagnostic time. And so that's really what set me on my journey. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the patient is always central. Yes. And right from chapter one in your book, which is subtitled finding a problem you want to work on, you even call it an indignation and quote Ralph Waldo Emerson, a good indignation brings out all one's powers. So by setting this on, setting this path for you, why did you consider it an indignation? Because it was something that made me upset. I think that anger, when harnessed the right way, when coming from a patient, when coming from someone that's inside a system that sees improvement for a system in a system can be so incredibly useful. And I could just tell that I was also being overlooked a little bit by the medical system. And the more I read about women's health, the more clear it became that it wasn't just an ovarian cancer. That was the case. That endometriosis, which impacts more than 10% of women out there on average takes nine years to diagnose. That we weren't included in basic clinical studies as drugs were being developed. So even for some of the most popular drugs out there today, the doses is optimized for men. I think for such a long time, we were seen as second-class citizens and therefore have a second-class medical system. So there's so much to be indignant about. And that Ralph Waldo Emerson quote about a good indignation bringing out 
all one's powers, I think is absolutely true because it not only forces you to be honest with your own emotions and the anger that you feel, you then feel like vocalizing it. You feel like using your voice to talk about it. You feel like using your actions to do something about it. And so all of one's powers, not just in terms of starting a company, starting a conversation. Yes. When I think about these conversations, maybe in the boardrooms of your startups and even of the large companies, we're talking about market sizes or market potential or market gaps. And we've done the focus groups and we've done this and sort of thing. But rarely does the emotion of indignation come out the way you're verbalizing it even now. This is not usually in the quote investor deck, is it? And for me, it wasn't for a long time. And then early on in my journey, the first three checks I got were all from women. And then Tim Draper came along and he was the first man who really believed in the mission and in the company as well. And he would have me sit with him as he watched other entrepreneurs pitch. He gave me a lot of feedback on mine and he knew about my personal story and I wasn't bringing it up. And he said, why aren't you bringing it up? You should start with it. And from that point on, I did. I made it brief. But I did bring up like, hey, I know that this is a true clinical need I'm solving because I've been there myself. And I think that generally founders should embrace, embrace indignation and excitement and passion. I think there's a lot of professions which kind of want to almost beat the emotion out of you. Let's say you're, let's say you're a researcher in an academic setting. Any paper you write has to end with, and further research is needed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's great. That's a different mindset, a different place. And they should, and they're not, you're not even going to be allowed to be excited on the podium, really, as your whatever groundbreaking results that you're presenting. And I think it's different for entrepreneurship. People have to feel that energy and it should be pure. It should never be fabricated. People could tell when emotions fabricated, I think. It's so obvious. But when it isn't, when it's genuine, I think people are drawn to it. We'll continue Mark's interview with today's guest in just a moment. Our sponsor, 83Bar, offers proven patient recruitment solutions for medical product launches and clinical trials. The team at 83Bar can help you achieve better patient outcomes, find client success stories and market reports, along with resources like videos and publications, all on their website, 83Bar.com. And I think when I talk to patients, whether it's for this podcast or even in, in my previous roles in market research or doing patient advisory boards, I hear this term seven years, eight years, nine years. It took me to navigate through the system and get a proper diagnosis and finally get to the real cause of the treatment and get to a, a, a treatment that would really be effective. And so I asked them, if you were in the boardroom of these companies, if you had a chance to sit in front of the researchers and or the executives, how would you express this? They get very emotional, but oftentimes I don't hear that from the board members. And I'm yeah, wondering yeah. where that disconnect might be. Where is the patient voice in yeah, the boardroom? It depends, I think, not to give too much of a cop-out answer here. I really think it depends on the boardroom. I sit on several boards as well. and That's why I ask. You're on yeah. half a dozen uh, boards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the companies that I, maybe it's just a natural, natural gravitation, the type of companies that gravitate towards me as a board member that I gravitate towards at Penumbra. 
the a large company that I sit on the board of, the market cap is $10 billion. They're in the neovascular space. It's truly an incredible story. And the patient was always front and center. So imagine Adam, who's the founder and still the CEO of this company, growing it from nothing all the way to a $10 billion market cap. And a few years ago, he finally has the chance as a founder. It's a moment that all of us dream about. It's a moment ringing the bell, signing the acquisition paperwork, ringing the bell, serving patients. These are just moments all of us spend time dreaming about. And Adam, instead of ringing the bell himself, asked a 80-year-old woman who was a patient of his device to ring the bell. So it's sometimes that connection to the patient really lives on. It really lives on. And still, anytime we discuss a new case or a new product, the patient is front and center. And -hmm. I think that's part of the reason why Adam has been so successful. He's been able to keep that focus on the patient. Yes. And part of the navigation for the companies is to go through clinical trials and all the regulatory hurdles to get these treatments and these devices approved. And I think about the sponsor of this podcast, 83 Bars, interested in clinical trial recruitment. And we've talked about certainly gender disparities, but there's ethnicity disparities and rural healthcare access and so forth. How do we improve the access to clinical trials in order to accelerate the development and adoption of some of these new treatments? Yeah, I think that anything we can do that gets the word out about these trials to the right patient subset through marketing or otherwise, through really talking about it, to having these patient advocacy groups that really on their website or other in other places talk about the trials which are ongoing and the promise of those trials and the more education we can do around clinical trials generally and what each phase of a clinical trial means and what it means to have a certain level of safety data done already. And this is really looking at efficacy and dosage requirements or whatever it might be. I think that's what really is going to draw people first. They have to know that it exists, but then they have to know truly what the risk is to them. And you have a front seat at the Y Combinator with so many new developments. I'm curious what over the horizon And uh, we already put a disclaimer on this podcast that some of these things may be in development and not approved and so forth. But I'm curious what as exciting new developments. Yeah, I think that part of the reason I love this job and I took this job over starting another company is that there's so much innovation happening in our field in almost every arena that you could think of, almost every area that you could think of. And I think one thing that's top of mind for everybody right now is generative AI and AI in in general, in terms of the type of impact it can have on not just drug discovery, right? Of course, drug discovery, and I have an amazing generative AI for protein discovery company in this batch called Diffuse Bio, started by a brilliant founder out of Stanford. But also on the other end of things, once you discover a drug, the next step is to formulate it in such a way that it can be manufactured and doesn't impact efficacy, doesn't impact safety. And there are millions of different ways to pack these crystals together. And half of drug development time actually goes into this, the manufacturing. And so I have another amazing company called Lavo Life Sciences, three brilliant founders, again, all with PhDs relevant to this work, 
who have already signed two pilots with companies in terms of developing all of a sudden taking months worth of work or more being able to do it in a day or so in terms of finding that ideal crystal structure. So that's generative AI, both on drug discovery and drug formulation. But then also if you look at what it means to deliver health, there's another company I'm extremely excited about called Glass Health. And this is a story of two founders who could not be a more perfect match for working on this. One founder completed his medical training first at UCSF and then at the Brigham's. And then the other founder, but is now working on this full time. And the other founder is an engineer by training. And right now, when you go to the doctor and you complain of certain symptoms, the doctor looks at you and from memory, they say, okay, this is a 37-year-old woman presenting with a headache for these many days. And then they, they think through the symptoms. Then they come up with a diagnostic plan based on that information and their memory. What they're doing is taking the memory part out of it, not the physician, but you can just enter 87 year old man enters with this pain and it will give you an entire diagnostic plan and an entire clinical plan that then needs to be reviewed by the physician. But imagine that, imagine going from that particular physician's experience to actually being able to harness the experience of tens of thousands of physicians in a matter of moments. And then it's so good for the doctor too, because it decreases their workload. It decreases how much documentation they have to write up and all of that. And it just makes them so much more effective. And again, this company is founded and started and led by a physician who firsthand was treating patients and wants to continue to treat health patients and is saying, this is the way for me to do it. We'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Silicon Valley banking crisis and its effect. You were interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, then you even observed, nobody even knew 10 days later (laughs) that there might be something. And of course, by the time this podcast airs, it's a developing story day by day and hour by hour. But what's your sense of the impact on some of these innovators on the money and investor side of their business? I don't actually have any data yet on if this is going to make investors more gun shy about investing because what day is it today? It's Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And we found out Sunday night that the FDIC was taking extreme precaution with the way that they were moving forward with the depositors. And so I have not yet had companies out there fundraising where I can come back and say, this is the impact that I think that the SVP banking crisis is going to have on founders. I think generally now the market has been more conservative than it was in, let's say, 2021. But overall, I hope that the SVP crisis doesn't have an impact, especially on these companies that are working on potentially life-saving or life-altering medicines for patients. Very good. It's all waiting, wait and see at this point. I'm yeah, sure. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Thanks for that perspective. And thanks for this conversation. I really appreciate you bringing both the business and the patient voice to bear. My guest has been Serbi Sarna. She is a group director at the Y Combinator and the author of a terrific new book just out called Without a Doubt, How to Go from Underrated to Unbeatable from Simon & Schuster. And I appreciate Christine at Simon & Schuster for helping to arrange our conversation. Serby, thanks a lot. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. And I wrote the book for others who feel underrated. They feel a little bit on the outside, but they do really want to have that impact. And I hope people have a chance to read it. And I hope that 
It instills a little bit of a belief that you can absolutely overcome doubt from others, doubt by yourself, of your self-doubt as well. And I sort of chronicle every stage that I can from being a patient to landing on the exact idea, clinical trials, regulatory approval, fundraising, team building, and all of that. So I hope people have a chance to grab a copy. And, and Mark, this has been a wonderful conversation. And again, I think this topic of being patient-centric is just so important. So thank you so much for, for having me today. Yeah, thank you. And it, it is a business book with a personal story disguised within. <laughs> it's a great page turner to learn how these things. And I'm glad that you said this about the motivation, because I think, yes, for business owners and innovators, but also for patients, patient advocates, stay with it, be resilient, and let's keep the voices heard. So Absolutely. thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. And listeners, so come much. back again next time. We're going to continue these conversations with healthcare leaders from industry, patient advocacy groups, the researchers themselves many times to hear what we need to listen to very closely when the patients speak. For now, I'm Mark Stinson, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much again. Thanks for listening to The Patients Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey. With Mark Stinson, presented by 83Bar, supporting well-informed, confident, and decision-ready healthcare consumers. Learn more about their patient activation platform at 83Bar.com. You can listen to our show on any of your favorite podcast apps. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode of The Patients Speak. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. We also host another show you might enjoy. Unlocking Your World of Creativity. It's a top-rated podcast featuring interviews with creators around the world. We help you gain the confidence and connections to launch your creative work out into the world. Look for Unlocking Your World of Creativity on your favorite podcast app.